Dr. Sarah Webb. And today I want to talk about five reasons we should be having conversations about, you guessed it, colorism. Now, I recently did a video on five fears or five reasons that I stayed silent about colorism for so long. This is a follow-up to that based on a blog post I wrote in 2011 and republished in 2013 called Five Reasons to Talk About Colorism. And in that blog post, I shared the things that I was telling myself as I was first writing those initial blog posts on colorism and facing those fears and overcoming the, the scariness of clicking publish on that first blog, first blog post. And so I wanna share that with you all because as I mentioned in last week's video, colorism can be a scary topic for a lot of people to talk about and for valid reasons because we get a lot of harsh criticism, a lot of harsh, sometimes violent pushback and blowback when we try to speak the truth on colorism as dark-skinned, women specifically. And so this second video that I'm doing is a direct follow-up to that. In that video, you can watch it in the description box below. I'll link to it there. I also share a few tips on how I overcame those fears or obstacles or hurdles. But in this video, I'm sharing, going more deeply into five specific reasons that I decided to step out there and continue to talk openly about colorism despite the very negative vitriol that I started to get in those early days when I was posting about colorism for the first time. So in that initial blog post, I share an experience of the me being a blogger. I just started a blog for the first time. I had a few posts on it and it was around the time that the Bill Duke documentary came out, Dark Girls, the world famous documentary that so many of us are familiar with. And I saw that and it kind of inspired me to write that first blog post. And I wrote this second blog post. I had already planned to write it, but it was interesting in writing the second blog post between the second one and the first one, I got, you know, cussed out on Facebook basically by a lighter skinned person with, you know, looser, looser curl patterns and things like that. And so some of those fears actually came true after writing that first blog post. And so I started the second blog post by describing a conversation I had via text with my mom and just talking about how scary it was to, you know, step out there and keep talking about this thing that people clearly are trying to suppress. And one of the things I said in that text message to my mother was that um, oftentimes we keep silent because we're unsure of ourselves. And me speaking up was a way for me to validate my own pain. Regardless of how other people respond to me speaking my truth, I needed to speak it for myself. And so I'm sharing that as the first reason for you as a dark-skinned black woman to talk about colorism. Whether it's talking about it to your journal or talking about it to your best friend or your family or the world via your social media posts or some other platform that you have. The very first reason that we as dark-skinned women should talk about colorism and our experiences with colorism and colorism as a systemic form of oppression is it's a way for us to give ourselves that level of validation because us being willing to speak that truth makes the truth real to us. And so we can, we can stop hiding. We can make sure that we're not in denial. We can acknowledge and simply release the, the tension and the, the stress and the fear and the shame and the anxiety that we might have kept bottled up for so long. And so 
starting with the motivation to just do it to release yourself. Do it because you can. Speak about colorism because it's your birthright to share your truth. If you, I would say if you're feeling a lot of fear about it and you don't know really know where to start, that first motivation should really just be about you getting to speak your truth. And again, you can start by speaking your truth to your own journal, speaking your truth in a private form, speaking your truth in that one specific relationship where you have the freedom in the space to do that. And it's not even at that point about other people. It's not about educating other people. It's not about convincing other people. It's not about trying to change other people's minds or change other people's behaviors, right? That can come later. <laughs> that motivation for speaking up, trying to change the world, trying to change society, that can come later on down the line. If you're trying to overcome your fear, that very first reason, and to be honest, the most important reason for you as a dark-skinned woman is for you because you deserve to be able to speak your truth because you can liberate yourself and free yourself from the confines and the constraints of the, the pressure and the sort of psychological torture that people, society tries to put you in to keep you silent. Now, into the official five reasons that I wrote in that initial blog post. The first one is that I was tired of being afraid to scream, ouch, that hurts. <laughs> Not as a dark-skinned black woman, feeling like I can't talk about colorism would be the equivalent of having someone being in line at the post office and a woman in stiletto heels steps on my baby toe, steps on my pinky toe. And she's standing on my pinky toe in her hot pink stiletto heels. I don't know why I'm imagining hot pink stiletto heels, but whatever. She's stepping on my pinky toe with all of her weight in her stiletto heels. And I, for fear of judgment, I, for fear of being told I'm too sensitive, I'm afraid to say, ouch, you're stepping on my pinky toe. Can you get off of it, please? Get off my toe. Like, this hurts. This is excruciating pain. Ouch. Ouch. Like, that hurts. To me, our fear of speaking up about colorism is equivalent to that. Well, that's not really equivalent to that because that doesn't even compare to the reality of colorism. It would be more like, you know, enduring systemic violence for centuries, kind of like our ancestors did, and feeling like you can't say, this sucks, this is terrible, this is ruining my life, right? And so you don't have to suppress your cry of pain. You don't have to suppress your frustration and your anger at being hurt, at having boundaries crossed. The second reason is that we need to hold people accountable. We need to call people on their stuff, as Ayala Benzet said. Colorism is one of those things that has been taboo in many cultures and many families for a long time. And so perpetrators of colorism have gotten off scot-free because people have not been speaking up. People have not been calling it out. People have not been holding them accountable. So once we do it for ourselves first, once we speak up with our truth, simply because it's our truth, simply because it's our birthright to be free, to express ourselves and share our experiences, then we can also talk about how, yeah, and I'm also saying this because you need to be called out. And I'll say this too, I'm going to call you out on your stuff regardless of if you change. 
I really am not tied to or tethered to people's responses anymore. And you know, folks have often said, oh, well, why talk about it at all? Because people aren't gonna change. That's not the point of speaking out, right? Like, if I'm being honest, like, it, it's really hard to do this work if you are, if the expectation is that everyone who hears your voice is going to fall, immediately fall in line and just be like, yes, we bow to your exact perspective and we will do everything you tell us to do when it comes to colorism, right? Like, that's not gonna happen, right? And so calling people out is not even for them to change their behavior. It's a way for us to reestablish the norms and the expectations for what, how our relationship is gonna be, how this dynamic is gonna be, how this classroom is gonna be run, how this office is gonna be run, how this workplace is gonna be run, how this hospital is gonna be run, right? So we are doing the work to reestablish a set of norms and expectations for what's tolerated and what's not tolerated when it comes to colorism. Because to be honest, to see real change, we have to do more than just talk about it, right? Like this video is not about setting boundaries and firing people from our lives, but that comes next, right? If we speak about colorism and the damage continues to be done, then we have to take other measures beyond just talking about it and actually put up boundaries, eliminate people from certain situations. But we'll, we'll save that for another video. Right now, the third reason that I decided to overcome my fears, find the courage, cultivate the courage rather, to talk about colorism, is that there's some other young person who needs to hear this. I think so many times when we talk about doing our work, we focus on the people who don't want it. We focus on the people who are rejecting it. We focus on the people who are not paying attention. We focus on the people who don't care. But there are significant people in our lives, significant people in the world that we don't even know yet. There are significant people in the world who haven't even been born yet, who will benefit from, who will need what I have to say and what you have to say. And so if we focus on those people, if we focus on the people who are praying to see themselves in you, who are praying to feel validated, who are praying to feel seen and to know that they are not quote unquote, just crazy, or that they're not quote unquote, being too sensitive. There are so many people who are going to feel healed and feel liberated just by witnessing you and your story and your testimony. That was a huge, one of the biggest motivations for me. And I think thinking about the young girl, so to speak, that I had in my mind when I was writing those initial blog posts, one of those young girls was me. One of those young girls was my younger self and thinking about how my speaking up about colorism was and still is healing her as well. Now, the fourth reason that I cultivated courage to speak up about colorism and um, one that you might consider is that we often think that colorism is just for dark-skinned people to talk about and figure out. There are people who have that philosophy, philosophy. there are people who have that approach, and that's fine, like I'm not suggesting that they should change their approach, right? Because there's time and a place for that as well. But I think having conversations, candid and honest and open conversations about colorism, the systemic oppression of dark-skinned people and the systemic privileging of light-skinned people, I think 
this ultimately benefits all of society because my core belief, my domino belief is that injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. My core belief, that domino belief, is that if it could happen to them, it can happen to us. And so my core domino belief about colorism and all forms of oppression is that a more just society for everyone benefits everyone. And so even if you're not dark-skinned, solving colorism makes society better for everyone. A better society, a society where more of the population, more and more people every day, increasing numbers of folks feel free and feel liberated and actually are free and liberated and actually, there actually is equality, there actual, actually is equal opportunity and equal access and people are able to actually follow in pursuit of their dreams and go, right? Like if we just have a better society for everyone, then society is better for everyone. And so just like it would behoove me to advocate for um, gender and sexuality equality and equality for people with different abilities or people from who speak different languages, different people of different national origins, diversity, equity, inclusion, justice, belonging. When we have that in a workplace, when we have that in a family, when we have that in a school, when we have that in a community, when we have that in a country, when we have that in the world, the world is better. <laughs> and so it could be tempting and easy to think, oh, well, only dark-skinned people should really be focusing on colorism because they're the ones that are oppressed by that system. But dark-skinned people did not create that system. And so we should not be tasked with trying to dismantle it on our own. And in fact, we can't. If dark-skinned people are the only ones talking about colorism and the only ones trying to dismantle colorism, it's not going to work. <laughs> Everyone, people of all ethnicities and backgrounds, all skin tones, have to be doing the work to help dismantle colorism. And so from that perspective, I think um, everyone should be talking about colorism as systemic oppression of dark-skinned people and the systemic privileging of light-skinned people. Um, and then the fifth reason that uh, I think we should all be talking about colorism is that it's about more than just who's pretty and who's not pretty. And I've said this repeatedly over the years. So many people think that colorism is not a valid discussion or not a worthy discussion because popular culture, popular discourse has relegated it to a beauty contest, has relegated it to a popularity contest. Oh, you know, you just need to think you're cute and just have the right shade of makeup and find a boyfriend and get more likes on Instagram and then we'll solve colorism. We have to inundate the conversation with the systemic reality of what colorism really is. And the question of beauty, the question of who's pretty, the question of who's popular is only one, again, one slice, one sliver, one fraction of the impact that colorism has and what it really is. And so we have to be motivated to talk about it because it's a life or death situation. We are motivated to talk about racism because we've seen unarmed black children be murdered. We've seen unarmed black people be murdered 
for no other reason than racial bias and racial animus. The same things are happening because of colorism. Colorism is ruining people's lives, destroying their livelihoods. At the same time, elevating, artificially and superficially elevating the life chances of other people, right? And so we look at in income inequality, we look at levels of academic achievement, we look at the way we're treated in the healthcare system, we look at the way we're treated or mistreated in the legal system and the justice system. Colorism is a severe problem. And I say that not to say that we can't be happy and free as dark-skinned people, but that there are more obstacles we have to overcome in our pursuit for liberation than our light-skinned siblings have to deal with, okay? So that was a lot, I think, in terms of why I have been motivated over the years to talk about colorism, to speak up continuously. And hopefully some of those motivations might help you cultivate the courage to either start talking about it or continue to talk about it.